This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Well, hello and welcome back to the E-Commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters from Bobsled Marketing. It's great to have you back. Today, I'm joined by a friend and partner of Bobsled Marketing. His name is Rich Zeldis, and he's the founder and CEO of Zeldis Media Advisors with over 25 years of marketing and media services experience. Rich is focused on driving profitable growth for emerging health, beauty, food, fashion, and cannabis brands across the D2C, Amazon, and retail distribution landscape. He is obsessed with helping navigate today's evolving media ecosystem by offering executive-level strategy, insights, and attention to brand founders and their leadership. Hey, Rich, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Kiri. Great being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you. So we're close partners with Zeldi's Media Advisors, and we work together on a lot of emerging brands. I'd like to understand a little bit more of your overall thesis for emerging brands in 2022. Yeah, so I think a lot about what I term, and I think a lot of other people term, omnichannel e-commerce. And essentially, to me, that's a, a strategy that is likely not one platform when it comes to e-commerce. And when I talk about independent brands, like like you mentioned, it's, you know, e-commerce overall is, is a great way to build a business. And very often you don't need retail to start out versus the way that's been for many, many years before Amazon and before DTC and Shopify, et cetera. So from my perspective, you really want to be where the consumer is, be friendly, hug your customer, and understand that if they're comfortable on Amazon, you want to be there. But at the same time, you likely want to develop your own storefront. And Did so you say figuring hug out your a customer? way. <laughs> tell me, tell me about customer. that. How do you do that? So I learned, I learned this literally from a small retailer here in Westport, Connecticut, where I live. Uh, it's a famous store called Mitchell's. It's called Mitchell's, and it's also got a couple other names in, in different areas as well. But they literally wrote a book. The founder, um, you know, hug your customer. And when you go into the store, it's literally like that. They've known people for years, and they hug their customer. To me, translating that term hug your customer from a retail environment to DTC is is really important, especially in times of massive competition, which there is. When you look at 2021 in terms of supply chain issues, you know, there's people have to get comfortable with products coming to them later. For example, things running out of stock. And and if you really get close and get to know your customer, I think that's what's so exciting about omni-channel e-commerce, that you can know your customer way more so than, you know, in the old world where it was retail first and retail only. Mm. I think you can do that to a certain extent with Amazon, but in general, it's this concept of, you know, personalization with messages, getting to know your customer and understanding what they like. This is an interesting point because, and you've got a 
much lengthier career with retail than I have, so interested to get your take on this. But there seems to be two sort of opposing forces with customer data and being able to get closer to customers. On one hand, we've got this walled garden concept where you can't track, it's hard to track attribution, it's hard to track the customer journey across channels because of the walled gardens. And then at the same time, you've got particularly Amazon actually coming out with a lot more metrics around who your customers are without telling you who your customers actually are. It's, you know, demographics, new to brand, different types of metrics that allow us to get a a picture of, of them. And certainly with DSP, we're able to get closer and closer, but without knowing, you know, on an individual level who customers are. So I'm interested in your take on that in general, like there's a direction that Amazon is going in, which is recognizing that brands want to understand their user base better but at the same time there's more and more sort of privacy screens being put up that prevents a holistic view of the customers what do you think about that no it's a really good point and i'm not surprised that amazon you know is aggressively focusing on this because that's one of the biggest challenges when you know brands have to think about where to put more emphasis or effort you know on their own dtc or amazon and part of it is you know owning the customer data and getting to know your customers better. So the fact that Amazon's putting effort there is not surprising, but you're absolutely right. And all this gets, everything you're mentioning gets, and the challenges get accentuated when you're a very small startup brand, which is my focus in that, you know, it's just harder to get attribution across those different walled gardens. And all I would say is that there are some benefits in, for example, social, where you get to understand to a certain extent what, even with the iOS issue from this year, you get to understand a little bit more about, you know, what data sets are performing better than others, potentially use that information on Google, on Amazon, and through other, you know, through DSP and, and other programmatic platforms. But it's it's harder because you it's harder to extend that data over the platforms. But it's, from my perspective, exciting to hear that Amazon's making a play there because from you know when i talk about again back to omnichannel e-commerce there's always those pros and, and cons for example you know the conversion rates on amazon can be very very significant versus dtc for you know brands starting out because consumers are you know on amazon to buy and to discover new brands so that's a huge advantage the challenge of course is you know what do you know about that customer when they make the purchase versus you know, when they might sign up for your own email, loyalty programs, things like that on your own site. So not surprising that Amazon is attacking this. It's good to hear. I think along the way, it seems like every challenge out there, Amazon's found a way to to make a play, which is exciting, which is really where we're at today, which is such an important force to be reckoned with in most consumer brand categories that I work in. So your sort of your client base is generally some merging independent brands that on one hand can be a bit more creative, they're unshackled by the sort of corporate bureaucracy that might happen with a larger brand trying to pivot and move into new areas. What are some opportunities or tactics that a lot of brands, most brands are not thinking about? Yeah, you know, one thing I see is that it's almost like it's easier to rely on the tried and true, right? So for example, you know, what was new is now very mature and that's, you know, social advertising, particularly with Facebook, Instagram. 
And so, you know, to your point, you're not shackled by, you know, more of a, a larger corporation thinking, but at the same time, you need to rely on where I can get results, right? So even if it's been become more challenging, potentially even more expensive with CPMs, et cetera, you know, is there in social, for example, is there a good opportunity with TikTok? Likely. And, you know, I think certain larger brands have migrated and moved to the platform very quickly and growing really fast, while others, larger brands, from what I've heard, are moving slowly just because it's new, it's different, it's just a totally different platform. Yeah, you've got to sell the new thing. Yeah, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, so I've been, you know, experimenting on behalf of a couple brands on TikTok, even though they're very early stage brands, because basically what we're trying to do is figure out a way to stand out from the competition, potentially benefit from efficiencies, reach customers that you're unable to reach in other places. But that takes a, a big commitment, you know, yep. from a smaller brand. Every dollar is scrutinized. It's coming out of a, you know, there's not incremental budgets for testing like there are with larger multinationals. You know, it's going to come out of, you know, again, what we probably understand to be something a little bit more predictable in, say, other social like Facebook yep. for TikTok. Right. If I can summarize what you said, there's still a place for the tried and true, but you shouldn't be overly reliant on that. You need to be continually testing and learning and looking at platforms like TikTok, for example. Absolutely. And even, you know, if you think about uh, CRM and connecting with your customers, say through email, right, which is even though a lot of people don't open email, it's still a very, very effective form. You put a lot into it, but, you know, SMS and text messaging, text marketing is also you know, a fast growth, exciting business. Some people are absolutely not interested in receiving text messages and other people really gravitate towards it. So the question is, you know, again, if you break out from email, which is a core competency for a brand, it's got to come from somewhere, you know, this yep. move to text, it's time, it's effort, it's, and it's dollars. And so those are some of the things too, which worth testing because you're just never sure what your customer base is going to be more comfortable with and respond to better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting world in 2022 and beyond it. And it is even right now with the retail media platforms that are being launched and optimized and revamped. And for us at Bobsled, it's always a question of, okay, well, this retailer just launched or relaunched their media platform. Is that going to be significant for our clients and there's more and more of them it's like you said it's in requires incremental budget and depending on the size of the company that budget may not be enough to really be substantial enough to run an adequate test and so there's a I think that there's really a tipping point for a lot of brands relative to their size which restricts them from entering these new opportunities because, for example, and this may not be completely accurate, but like a Lowe's or a Home Depot or a platform like that may have a minimum investment, which is not you know a, a big hurdle for a smaller brand. And so taking the next big leap for some of these brands is difficult because the platforms might require a bigger upfront investment or use of their managed services team. And so the array of options that you have to keep experimenting and exploring is limited to 
social platforms and things like that. So I know what you mean because it, no, it's true because there's so much opportunity and, you know, brands are getting bombarded with, with different media platforms and partners and tech and, and data players. And it's really interesting. I mean, some really good stuff out there, but again, you know, just pouring through all the, all the options sometimes is, is very time consuming. And to your point, you know, do you make that bet because you think that, you know, trying something a little bit new or different is going to, you know, bridge the gap for you as a brand. But then if you take your eye off the, that core, you know, are you going to, you know, lose time and potentially efficiency? Yeah. And so it's catch 22. You know, yeah, bit. exactly. So do you have a, when, as you're advising your clients on allocating media spend, do you have some frameworks that you think about in terms of allocating to, you know, sure bets, sort of existing channels like Amazon and then experimenting with TikTok or text messaging, for example? Well, you know, basically what I've seen is that social is just very important for a number of the categories that, that I play in, especially, you know, things like beauty and fashion. So what's tricky about the core social platforms call on Instagram and Facebook is that they require tremendous amount of content to be viable, right? To build a reasonable following from scratch. You imagine how challenging that is, you know, to find organic quality people to even follow your brand, which is an important metric in a brand's health right. really, really early stage, right? Yep. So you need you need a lot of content, you need a lot of expense that goes into that, but no one's going to see that content unless you utilize media dollars, right? So right there, you have a real commitment to social and it's and it can be relatively expensive. So that's an important piece of the puzzle. You typically can't ignore Google because there is a certain amount of you know, intent-based search, and you don't want to lose it to your competitors. So you need to have a Google strategy to a certain extent as well. When we mention Amazon, of course, when you look at what the category does and the tight competition. So if you look at your core, say three to five competitors, who you believe your competitors are, if you start seeing a very significant sales growth on Amazon, well, that's real important. So we have to figure that out. Right from an operations standpoint, from a marketing promotion, mm-hmm. content development standpoint. So those pieces for early stage brand take up again time, effort, and budget and dollars. And then it's a question of, you know, honestly the middle and upper funnel, which is so important. And so, you know, you look at things like public relations, influencer marketing, where do those fit in? How do they help to build awareness and engagement on your social channels? Are they able to generate more site traffic that you can convert through Amazon and through DTC? So when you add all those things together, especially for early stage brands, that's sort of like the table stakes, you know, for brands that have been around. Then you start thinking, the fun part is how can you go beyond that? The challenge for me and brands that I'm working with is, you know, figuring out how we can you know, work on our customer acquisition costs, how we can hopefully find that the holy grail, which is really the CLTV or customer lifetime value by ensuring that customers have a good experience and hopefully X percentage of those buy again. That's really the key. So, you know, a lot of times when you think about a content strategy, implementing the strategy on your site through Amazon, social, email, text, things like that, you add all this together, 
it provides you a pretty interesting, and, and I prepare these, you know, sort of 12 month roadmap for brands as they're starting out. And just touching on everything that we're talking about, you know, again, for those smaller early stage brands, normally captures a lot of their potential investment. Mm. And then like we talked about, you know, do you try to be a little bit more aggressive on the influencer side, on emerging platforms like a TikTok? And then do you really try to figure out too, like how to benefit from different tools and strategies to help build Amazon business? Yep. Because, you know, while you don't want to take away from your DTC, on, on the other hand, you want to be as aggressive as you possibly can on Amazon as well. Definitely. What's one thing that you've changed your mind about recently, Rich? Well, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about that question. And, uh, you know, again, when I mentioned being involved in media just for a number of years, what's interesting to me is that as an emerging brand and, you know, even the first few years of a brand, so maybe not right as a startup, you know, in the, in the old days, you know, what you really want to do is be on TV as an emerging brand because mm -hmm. you saw brands that were a lot bigger than you on TV. And you didn't have as much potential with digital. So you were faced with sort of magazines or TV. And TV is so, so powerful. And so many years later, what's interesting to me, what I changed my mind about is that for you know fast growth, early stage brands, it's actually possible now to be on TV and radio, right? Mm. But not linear TV and terrestrial radio but right. really looking at it from a digital standpoint. And you can benefit from some of those same attributes of TV and radio by looking at connected TV and uh, digital audio, whether that be Spotify, Pandora, whether it be other streaming services, potentially podcasts. So what's interesting there is that you can test before you invest. You can be very localized. You can benefit from programmatic platforms and data and trying to level the playing field a little bit from larger brands that are able to potentially do everything that I'm mentioning digitally, but also actually use some the power of TV, for example, which is Love still it. very viable. Yeah, it's a great harder. point. It's more accessible than ever before. <laughs> and you can actually, yeah. and you can more easily track the outcomes and who you're reaching and get some actual data out of it, unlike with TV as well. So right. What's and you know, what's interesting is scales, scales possible now, you know, there's yeah. so much more inventory now than the last couple of years. So it, it's just kind of interesting. And you can, when scale is there, you can, you know, you can look at DMA and zip code targeting, for example, you know, with those types of media forms and tests, be very careful, but still level the playing field by getting out there with, you know, larger, more broad-based media choices. Absolutely. And just in, in wrapping up here, what's something that you're excited about in the world of e-commerce? I was thinking about that question too. And, you know, I think we all experienced 2020 was such a challenging year in a million ways. But one thing that happened is that massive growth of e-commerce, you know, Amazon, obviously, and as well as just e-commerce overall, you know, they talked about within one year, it was like four years of projected growth or something like that. And what sort of excites me is it'd be very interesting to see where the numbers end up for 2021. It looks like there'll be an increase over 2020 from some of the things I've been reading. Now that's really interesting because 2020 grew, you know, 35% or something over a, almost a 20% growth in, in uh, 2019. So that's interesting because if, if 
you know, attitudes have been changed to pull more and more people online for more and more product categories. There really could be some good wind in the sails for for these emerging brands over the next few years because without COVID, you know, you probably wouldn't have grown that strongly in a number of product categories, like even food, for example, which grew a lot because people were just forced to not go into the stores. So even though a lot of this is based on huge challenges global that is, you know, really too bad for a lot of us from a marketing standpoint. And when you look at e-commerce, that's really exciting. And I mentioned to you that I'm trying to make a play and, and really understand a lot more in the cannabis side of things. And when I look at CBD, and it's been a growth category for several years now. I think there's a lot of potential for e-commerce. I mean, right now it's tougher on Amazon. That'll be very interesting to see at some point if that lifts where, you know, high quality CBD products can sort of bump off some of the, you know, lower quality um, non-CBD hemp products that are, that are sold on Amazon. Yep. And so that's an interesting play as well. So, you know, just a couple of thoughts. Yeah. But and that's you know, an overall, area that you're getting into more on the advisory side of things as well. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I kind of look for growth for, you know, emerging categories of business and ones where there are a lot of challenges. So for example, with CBD, there's a lot of challenges with not yep. so much with you know, after the hemp bill was passed, but for example, with e-commerce, because yeah. you don't have Amazon, it's very tough to advertise in social. So I'm right. looking for different ways to break down the walls there. We're fighting the good then, fight there, Rich. That's uh... <laughs> I know it's not easy. And then there's adult use, which is you know becoming legal in a number of different states, particularly here in the tri-state area, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey. And you know we see a lot of growth potential for understanding again some of the same things: content strategy, e-commerce, figuring out how to get to know your customers and build a business. So it's, it's, there's a lot of similarities, but there's obviously a lot of differences and huge challenges, regulatory, legal, state by state issues. And so it requires you to learn a lot and take some chances. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm putting some effort into obviously my core, which is again, health and wellness and beauty and fashion and food, and then putting some more into the cannabis side as well. So where can people find you, Rich? So basically my email, you know, which is rich at zeldasmedia.com. And then obviously zeldismedia.com is my website. Be launching a, an offshoot company in the cannabis space by the new year. And that'll be ZMA, Cannabis Marketing. So that'll be a, an offshoot. And so that's really the best place to find me. Great. We'll link up and to that in the show Obviously notes. on LinkedIn too. Yep. And, you know, always available for conversation. You know, I'm, I'm intrigued by the, the exciting business of brands launching from scratch and working with entrepreneurs and trying to figure out the path ahead. So I'm always available to, you know, share ideas and and I really appreciate everything that you do, Gary, and then your company. It's watched the growth and I've gotten some great support. And I really appreciate your thinking and your team's commitment to the businesses that we've been part of together. That's my one question to you. One of the questions I always ask is for Amazon, when are they going to allow geotargeting? I'm just always curious. <laughs> Firstly, thank you for the compliment. It's great to partner with you as well in this space. Geo-targeting, I'm not sure. That stumps me. I'll have to yeah, come I, back to you on that. <laughs> no, I know. It's just something that's you know always talked about over the years. And it's it's just so interesting because you can use geo-targeting off-platform to drive Amazon sales. But it's a, it'd be interesting to see at some point if they uh, you know offer it in different areas. 
Hmm. So I'm just throwing it out there because I know you're so close to everything, everything Amazon. <laughs> I think you're giving me way too much credit. But thank you so much for joining me, Rich. I'll catch you later. You got it. Thanks very much.